The Killers, a story where you stick up to do the right thing and nobody appreciates it. Coming up today, Ernest Hemingway, The Killers. All right, so my first question for you, sir, was it obvious what the time period of this piece was? I don't think so. I mean, a little bit from the way that they speak, to me, it felt very gangster 1930s Al Capone. I don't, I don't know if that was mm-hmm. an intent, mm-hmm. but that was what I felt. You had the lunchroom that had been made over from um, a saloon. And remember when they were ordering and he's just like, oh, we got, you know, the, the silver, the Bevo. And he's just like, no, I asked you, do you have anything to drink? Which would mean prohibition era, potentially. Okay, so a little bit before the 1930s, but it felt in that it felt early 1900s. That was that was for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. You got some you got some characters in this one. And speaking of characters, uh, you know, we start out with five main characters, right? We've got George Nick Adams of Nick Adams fame. There's a, a couple of stories that have Nick Adams in it. Well, a couple. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stories with Nick Adams in it that you'll you'll learn eventually. Uh, and then Sam the cook are in this lunchroom like this this diner if you will and in come the vaudeville villains (laughs) al and max right and you know i i guess i always assumed the story was called the killers after alan max but i guess there's been a lot of debate over well is it because that you know what was killed was actually nick's vision of 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 the world his his loss of innocence is it uh what was killed was was george's ability to respond and want to help others it's it's actually a little bit more interesting to think about how killers can apply in a lot of different angles for the story it's a lot more complex than you would think it would be the very simple premise of some guys sitting around having lunch two hitmen walk in and they're looking for their, you know, the the guy that they're going to assassinate. And there's a lot of layers to this. I think it all revolves obviously around Nick. He's sort of the main character. But even if you take him out, like you said, the guy they're killing is, is not a good guy, right? And, and, and so the, who who is the true killer in this story? Is killing the killer bad? Is that good? I, I don't know. What we can say, though, is that Death is a very common theme with Ernest Hemingway stories. And some would say that 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 mortality, the the idea of searching for meaning and establishing a morality, even in the way that Nick is struggling with what's the right thing to do in this situation, I think can give a lot of meaning and value. Because if you look at characters without that meaning, without that value, to me, they felt a little bit more empty. Every character almost felt a little bit empty because they're their their mode of decision making is externalized in terms of Sam the cook is just working you know George is owning the restaurant these uh, killers they don't even have like a boss per se they're 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 doing this hit for a friend in terms of agency the only character who seems to be like kind of presented it is is our boy Nick Adams and it's it's you know good boys are going to find out what the right thing to do is and that's not because the story is written poorly, that these characters are intentionally written shallow, I think, so that you see the the depth of Nick's soul and how important he is and how he is 
changing throughout the story and as you said losing his innocence and and becoming a man and that's one thing that is also brought up is they refer to him as boy several times throughout so it's kind of implied that the killers are maybe in their 30s you know the old cook and everybody is older and nick might be 14 15 16 he's still a young man and he has a lot of growing to do and he's seeing the world change before his eyes well, you, you'll learn more about Nick through other stories, but let's let's jump into this because I think you're right. Hemingway specifically attempts to, I mean, he always strips away a lot of information, right, in terms of his iceberg theory. But these two killers, you know, Al and Max, you kind of confuse them. They dress similar in terms of these, like, the too tight trench coat sort of thing. You'll notice that when they ordered food, the, was it the ham and eggs and ham and bacon or bacon and eggs? Um, one orders one, one orders the other. But if you if you read closely, they actually eat each other's food. So even they themselves haven't really defined themselves or what they want in life in the same way that they're just kind of following orders. That Hemingway specifically conflates these characters, right? Like you could almost like just mix and match them. Other than Max, well, he talks too much. <laughs> <laughs> There's no discrimination here between those characters. It's interesting, though, that these characters are so prominent, but they aren't given much of a voice. There are just they're Tweedledee and Tweedledum. They're there to just move the story along. And I, I think that's intentional to get Nick to where he's going. He, he's going on this not hero's journey, anti-hero's journey almost, because he doesn't succeed in what he's trying to hope to do. But they allow him to progress and really see the world the way that it actually works. I think a lot of characters in general, but particularly, it seems like Hemingway seems to kind of hone in on this. There's the person we think we are in terms of how we think we would make decisions in this situation. And that's not always the same person as who we are or who we, how we are portrayed, like the actions we choose, like our actions won't always align with our moral standards. Right. And I think these two villains who can't even keep their order straight or remember or follow, whether it's dinner or lunch, like, <laughs> they, they seem to have failed to define themselves. And I think there is a, there's a power struggle, right? If we look at the timepiece with mobs being pushed out of the big cities, particularly Chicago this time into the suburbs where we are for the story, you, you have them trying to redefine themselves as well. And these characters are specifically trying to grab for power, I think. The killers are, because they're they're constantly demeaning, oh, you bright boy, right? Like, why, why don't you get the cook out here calling him names that we don't really say, particularly, <laughs> particularly anymore. But, you know, you see the timepiece element of this where those were words that were meant to steal power and demean others, right? Because I think they're having a hard time defining who, who what their purpose is. They're They're trying to take away from others to help lift themselves up. And it does show their insecurities as well, because the two killers are afraid to go after Anderson, the guy that they're there to kill, and they're just looking for him to come to them. So they're weak in many, many ways. They're picking on a young boy. They obviously maybe not too bright. They can't even you know decide which of them is which. And again, they won't even go do their actual job uh, of killing Anderson. They want him to come to them. That's actually a really good point because also they were called and even referred to in story as the vaudeville, like like comic villains, which were those were just 
entertaining, usually funny stories without morals. They weren't moralizing because they hadn't been defined the same way that these characters had. Um, let's talk about another undefined thing, time in this piece. Time is brought up probably, I think, three or four different times. <laughs> and, <laughs> but they talk about this clock being 20 minutes fast, right? And only George knows how to discern the two. And I didn't think of it as a big deal either until maybe I had seen some other people kind of talking about with the story that you're never really sure what time it actually is in this story because they talk about the discrepancy about what time we think it is and then there's what time it actually is to others in the same way that characters don't know who they there's what they think they are versus how they actually are the same way that time has a discrepancy because when they're saying like well now it's six o'clock well now it's seven o'clock he still hasn't shown up is it really six is it really seven is it 640 is it 720 there, there's always that 20 minute gap and you don't know are they you know are they automatically adjusting that 20 minute gap in terms of fitting to other standards versus just living for your own standard in the same way that these characters have never really defined their own internal internality. Yeah, I really hadn't thought about that, but it is important to note that Nick is, we're led to believe a young man and you know, where is he going from here? What, what is, what does this have to do with his story? Well, I I think it all comes back to that self-actualization problem who we think we are versus who we want to be and you know these two villains they're, they're waiting and they said oh they're, they're good boys they, they won't be a problem so they leave without actually killing them which they could have to cover up their their you know tracks here if you will so nick is presented finally with that problem and the point that kind of connects these two storylines of the diner and then the dang bedroom right and the only thing that connects them is nick's I hate to use like this term, but it's like the most appropriate term, but hero's journey, right? Yeah. Because he thinks in his moralistic standards, the right thing to do is to warn Anderson that he's about to get killed, right? Like that if if someone were going to want to kill me, I would want people to tell me because I'd probably want to do something different, right? Like that would be the right action in my mind. But knowing what the right action is, and actually doing the right action are two very different things, right? Because doing that, he already knows that there's killers out there. He could be putting himself at danger, right? And that 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 raises the stakes of what it means to become and self-actualize and do the right thing that you think you ought to. And Nick is our hero. He's going to go slay the dragon, his fears, by going out of his home, which is the diner in this story in a narrative sense, to a foreign land, which is Anderson's uh, place, the boarding room, to, to basically warn him, like, hey, guy, th- there, there's two people out there to hit you. You better be on the run or be prepared or something, right? So he becomes the hero by overcoming his fears, putting himself in danger to save the princess, the heavyweight boxer. <laughs> <laughs> I love how Hemingway does a great job here of setting kind of that standard that when people think that they're heroes, that they're doing the right thing. And Nick has already, he doesn't even know Anderson, but he's already set the standard that if these guys want to kill him, he must be good. They're giving, he's giving him positive attributes. And then we finally learn out throughout the story through some subtle clues. You're kind of led to believe that Anderson might've been 
an enforcer or a hitman himself, or he's quote a bad guy from Chicago, or you know maybe he, he he's a boxer, maybe he threw a fight where you know he was paid to take a fall and somebody lost a lot of money and they want him killed. So he, he, we realize that he's not a good guy. Does that mean he deserves to get killed? Absolutely not. No, but in Nick's adolescent young man brain, he assumes the best. And he realizes, and again, kind of breaks that mold of his view of the world, that Anderson's probably not a good guy. Again, doesn't deserve to die, and he wants to help him, but it's kind of chipping away at that facade of how the world really works. Yeah. And I think at the time that this was written, it was pretty well known that Andre Anderson Boxer had been killed by the mob. Uh, I can't remember. It was something something to do with I don't know if it was throwing a fight or something like that, but it was kind of like a reference to that. But obviously a lot was left out. And this is this is Hemingway's imagination, right? And, and he had, like, I guess, an unpublished story. It was later published from high school where he had written about this boxer who's supposed to, or this Anderson guy who's supposed to come out from behind the curtains to attack this boxer or something like that. Like, there's this whole backstory that kind of exists in Hemingway's head. But for the purpose of this story, if you're just reading it, like, you're just like, okay, he did something. I don't know what it was. But he did something that makes him, quote unquote, deserve this punishment, <laughs> right? Like, like yeah. w- whatever you want to call that. Um, but but that leads, I think, to. I'm going to call. Do you think Nick Adams would be described as a dynamic character? Because you think he's learning about sticking up to be the hero. But when he finds out that he's putting his neck on the line nobody cares. Nobody, Anderson didn't even want it. It didn't change events that it, it was a a moment of disillusionment, I would say for Nick Adams, where I think what he changed was he realized that what he thought the world was, isn't how it always is. And while his moralistic standards might be right in his mind, they don't always align with how other people view as right and wrong. Right and wrong is a tricky situation what one person believes, you know, Star Wars, we haven't referenced it in a long time, you know, from a certain point of view, the Empire was right. (laughs) One fun fact about this story, it was adapted into several movies uh, in the 1940s, 1950s, and then finally in 1964. And a little bit of trivia here, in the 1964 version of The Killers, there is a famous individual named Ronald Reagan, and it will be his final film before he goes off and pursues politics to become President Reagan. Oh, I, I knew it was Reagan. I didn't know. I didn't know that fun fact about it being his last one. That's cool. Yeah, it's his very final movie. Yep. All right, guys, we're going to leave a playlist of other Hemingway talks down below. Go ahead and leave a little, you know boxing punching glove emoji it helps the ever hungry youtube algorithm know that you did enjoy today's story if you weren't sure what to add my name's been una thanks for spending time with us peace peace